Most scholars believe that this passage from Philippians, Paul is quoting an early Christian hymn. So this, this hymn goes back to the 50s or 60s. It divides neatly into two parts. Three verses in the first part, three verses in the second part. The first part is Good Friday. The second part is Easter. Good Friday. Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself and took on the form of a slave. And being born in human likeness, he found himself in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's total humiliation. Christ emptying himself to receive the world's ugliness and pain and darkness and suffering. It's his becoming a slave, the lowest of humanity. Suffering, the worst kind of death. It is descending to the utter depths of existence. It is being forsaken by everyone, most of all by God. Jesus is God forsaken. He is destroyed. He is dead. That was last Sunday's sermon. The second part of this passage is Easter, the rest of the story. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. It's total glorification. It's total exaltation. Jesus is no longer the lowest of the low. He is the highest. He is no longer God forsaken. He is with God. He is God loved. He is not abandoned and rejected, but now every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess that he is Lord. He is not dead, but he is alive. He is brought back to life. He is resurrected. This is a total reversal. The pauper is a prince. The lowest seed in the tournament, tournament has won the tournament. Those who are rooting for Jesus and Jesus' way and truth and life have got to be cheering. They are on their feet, blowing their horns, blowing their trumpets, waving their flags, bringing out their lilies. They are texting their friends, this is good news. My son who was lost has been found. Let the party begin. This is good news for Jesus. It's good news for everyone. This is Sunday's sermon. Paul says that in this celebration, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confession. We confess sins, we confess crimes, we confess addictions, we confess guilt. We have watched a ton of detective shows 
on Netflix during this shutdown. We've seen people confess their, their crime to the detective. We have watched so many British detective shows, we're starting to drive on the left side of the road. <laughs> you know, when you, when you confess, you open yourself up to the mercy of the detective, of the investigator, of the judge. It's a moment of weakness. We confess faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. We also confess our love. I love you. That's a confession. I confess that I love you. I love you are three of life's most dangerous words. These words are hard to say. To confess I love you is like other confessions in that it leaves us open and humble and vulnerable. It's a commitment. It is saying what I believe. It puts our life in the hands of the other person. And this is scary. This is a risk. When you say, I love you, you give the other person power over you. You give the other person power to destroy you or create you. You give the other person the power to destroy. They can make fun of you. They can go tell other people. They can ridicule you. They can laugh at you. They can mock you. They have the power to create you, to give new life, to give a second chance, to give rebirth, to resurrect you. You never say, you love me. It means a lot. I started dating Susan in, uh, toward the end of January. I mean, not this year, but way back. <laughs> and, um, you know, the end of January is getting pretty close to Valentine's Day. When we make this confession... I knew that this relationship with Susan was going somewhere. And I wanted to show how I felt, but not completely. I didn't want to be totally vulnerable. So I went to the drugstore and looked at Valentine's Day cards and... <clears throat> And right next to the Valentine's card section were St. Patrick's Day cards. Brilliant idea. I sent her a St. Patrick's Day card and wrote on it, Happy Valentine's Day. So 
I wasn't totally vulnerable. I wasn't totally at risk. I wasn't totally open. But she kind of got the idea. And at the same time, she couldn't laugh at me. She couldn't destroy me. You know, um, I was okay. But to say I love you is not that kind of commitment. It's a commitment to put our life in the hands of the other. Some of us go our whole life without ever saying those words and ever hearing them. For to give that power to someone is scary. Now what happened on Good Friday was Jesus confessing, I love you, to humanity and creation. He gave that other power over his life to destroy it or create it. And humanity chose to destroy it. We don't want you. We don't want you around. And what happens on Easter, what happens with the resurrection, is God saying, I still love you. I forgive you. I'm going to use the power to create. Easter is giving us the opportunity to confess, I love you, to Jesus. You know, in a resurrection story from John's gospel, Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Easter is our saying those three words that place our lives in Christ's hands, that leave us open and vulnerable, that give Christ the power to destroy us and the power to create us. It is a commitment to new life. It is a commitment to be healed and made whole. You know, in Mark's gospel, the women run from the tomb, and Mark says, with joy and great fear. Yeah, they understand that, that the resurrected Jesus has the power to create or destroy. Now, Paul doesn't talk about, I love you. He talks about Christ as Lord. To confess I love you to Jesus is to say, Jesus is my Lord. Now what does Lord mean? We don't use that title anymore. Christ the Lord is risen today. We tend to associate Lord with to lord over, to be arrogant, to be dominant, to exploit, to destroy. Now there are lots of lords in this world. Jesus isn't the only lord. In the hymn it says, Lord of lords. There are lots of lords. I think practically lord has to do with authority. Whom do we listen to? Whom do we obey? It's the person who tells us the way the world is, 
the way the world operates. That's the Lord. They tell us how the world operates. The Lord tells us what the truth is. And once they've established how the truth is and how the world operates, then the Lord tells us who we can love and who we can't love. The world operates this way, don't love refugees. The world operates this way, don't love Asian Americans. The world operates this way, don't, don't love LGBT, don't love trans people. The Lord is the one who tells us who we love and who we can't love. And the Lord tells us how we love. Do we love with our whole heart? The Lord, whoever that is, is the truth, the life, and the way for us. If you want to know who your Lord really is, think about who tells you this is the truth. Think about who tells you who you can love and can't love. And think about how they tell you to love. Now on Easter we say Christ is Lord. After the 11 o'clock service last week around 12.30, we taped the Good Friday service in an empty sanctuary. And I did my part from the pulpit here, boxed in in plexiglass, with the picture of the resurrection and the ascension behind me. And at 12.30 last Sunday, as I was positioned here, the reflection of the ascension and resurrection were reflected in the plexiglass. So that's what I would see in this empty sanctuary. I was looking at Christ, the glorious, triumphant Lord, while I was speaking about Christ the suffering servant. So I saw Christ's lordship through the lens of his suffering. <laughs> and I saw his suffering through the lens of his resurrection. And I realized this Lord is about the power to create and the power to recreate and the power to give new life. How does he show his created love? Well, he empties himself. He's not full of himself. He doesn't exploit people. He's humble and vulnerable. He washes his friend's feet. He's gracious and puts other people first. He's generous with his love. And he's forgiving, giving people a second chance. That's how this Lord loves and creates. That's the way. And what is the truth 
of how the world operates. Love is stronger than hate. Forgiveness is greater than vengeance. Life is stronger than death. Generosity is more blessed than greed. Peace, power, is over violence. Inclusion is over exclusion. Unity more than division. Gentleness, not jealousy. Kindness, not selfishness. Reconciliation, not alienation. Creation, not destruction. That's the truth. You know, as the, as the EMTs wheeled Gary out, and then Steve started playing the hymn about Christ's triumph, I thought, what a great thing to be wheeled out on. Wheeled out to a trumpet singing about Christ as Lord and how Christ has triumphed over death and over darkness and over pain and fear. And when we say Christ is Lord, we're saying that's the truth. And to whom does Christ show love? Outcasts? Enemies? Friends? Children? Sinner? The rejected? The forgotten? His love leads to life. That's the way, the truth, and the life of Christ the Lord. The way of love, the truth of love, the life of love. And it's worth cheering about. It's worth the lilies and the trumpet. Last Sunday on Palm Sunday we cried, Hosanna, save us. Save us from whatever we fear. Save us from the darkness in our lives. And on Easter, we bend our knee and confess that he is Lord. This Lord saves us for love. Saves us for new life. Have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. What was that mind? The mind in Christ Jesus said, I love you. And we respond, I love you. We give him the power to create, to give us life, to transform us, to heal us. Christ the Lord is risen today. Make the most of it. Amen.